You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, Acadiana? Welcome into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez here. This is going to be so much fun. Got my guy James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire, sitting across from me. I still have a better head of hair, but I mean, I, I don't know how long we'll run that joke out. But we'll, oh, you, oh, you'd be surprised. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> run it till you're going to you're going to hear something later on about it. We have a massive show lined up for you today. I mean, I I, I don't like to gloat, but this has to be the best first week to start a new radio show. Will Wade gets fired. Tom Brady is back. The Saints are going after Deshaun Watson. Cajuns baseball and softball both take two out of three on the weekend. The NCAA tournament starts this week. NFL free agency. MLB is back. I mean, James, we, we could sit here for five hours. It, it, there's there's definitely a lot we could talk about, and it, I, I don't feel like we'll be able to really repeat any, no, any no, segments. No, not at all, not at all. Plenty to talk about this week, but again, we will begin with Will Wade, LSU's men's basketball coach of the last five years, and their associate head coach Bill Armstrong were both fired with cause on Saturday, four days after the university received a 17-page. Notice of allegations from the NCAA. So here's where it gets very interesting. In, in college athletics, one level one violation is grounds for termination. Eleven violations were outlined in this NOA. Eight of them level one. Seven of those eight tied solely to men's basketball. How many of those were tied to Will Wade? Six. Six of them. And then the associate head coach, Bill Armstrong, one level one violation and one level two violation. According to the NCAA, LSU has failed to exercise institutional control and monitor the conduct and administration of both its football and men's basketball programs dating all the way back to February of 2012. I mean, just absolutely insane allegations against the LSU men's basketball program. Will Wade and Bill Armstrong could both receive show cause penalties, which I think they both will. Uh, A show cause penalty is basically you're banned from coaching for a a said period of time. You're, You're banned from coaching college athletics. If the NCAA is nice, three years. Realistically, Will Wade gets five. Bill Armstrong probably five as well. There's there's just so much to to dive into with this. I mean, I, I've got the the article pulled up from our, from our guy Wilson Alexander, who's going to join us at four thirty. F- Will Wade was texting 
a player's or a recruit's fiance paying her to keep her quiet of allegations. You had Will Wade wiring money to a recruit from a joint bank account shared with Will Wade and his wife. And then you had Bill Armstrong getting visas for international players and their families along with cars for said player's cousin and $300,000. I mean, James, LSU really had no choice but to fire Wade and Armstrong. No doubt. If, if you got that much against you, and not to mention, it kind of feels stale at this point to have Will Wade because he's been here for six years. He hasn't won anything huge. And then he's he's had controversy with him since he got to LSU. So it, it definitely felt like it was time, not to mention, you had such a good start with this season, and then you've pretty much fallen flat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Wade, like you said, Wade was suspended at the end of the 2018-2019 season after that wiretap with Christian Dawkins came out. Everybody knows the story behind that. It's believed to be related to Javante Smart that Will Wade made him a strong blank offer. Uh, and it, it was later discovered that he said that LSU was paying Smart more than the G League could. There, there's There's... Very few words to describe just the the multitude of these allegations and what they could do to a basketball program. However, LSU basketball is still in the NCAA tournament. They are a sixth seed. They will play Iowa State on Friday in the NCAA tournament. Kevin Nickelberry will assume the duties of interim coach for the postseason and you know, this isn't the first time this year that LSU has been in an interim scenario. After football let go of Ed Ogeron, Brad Davis took over the, the football program for the bowl game. And the other day at the LSU basketball press conference, Nickelberry was asked if he had spoken with Brad Davis and just a general message about the situation with men's basketball. No, I haven't. I probably need to give him a call. I, again, I... Like I said, I've stayed away from my phone but as much as possible. But again, like I said, this, this is I'm the first to say this is not unique to me. You, you know, you, you've hit, I'm not the first interim coach in America. So no one's going to feel sorry for me. Iowa State's not going to feel sorry for me. Iowa State's not going to feel sorry for our players. I just told them just now, no one's going to feel sorry for us. You know, we got to go out and we got to play. We got to compete. We are talented. We, you know, we have guys in there with great integrity, great character, guys who believe in each other, guys who love each other. You know, we'll be fine. You know, I'm going to be with them. I tell them, I'm with you guys. I win or lose, I'm with you guys. And I trust it. You know, we're going to go out and give a great effort. And that's the right mindset to have, right? Because regardless of what's happening off the court with the off the court issues, there's still a basketball game to play. You're still fighting for a national title. So Nickelberry's got the job of. Telling these players, look, guys, it is what it is, but we still have we still have business to go take care of. We still have unfinished business. And Nickelberry commented on feeling confident in his players and their resilience to handle all of this. I feel confident that this staff can lead these young men to uh, even in these challenging times can lead them to where they want to be. You know, they've they've had a great year. These guys have earned the right to be here. 
Darius Days has had an unbelievable career. This is his third straight NCAA tournament. Uh, would have been four, I think, uh, if we for now for COVID. So he's he's done an unbelievable job of being the leader this year. He's earned the right with the other guys, young guys. We have a re really young team. We have uh, the youngest team in the SEC, one of the youngest teams in the country. So th this this team is, you know, obviously they were heartbroken. You know, these guys are resilient. They know the task at hand, and you know we're gonna we're gonna love them up, and uh, we're gonna make sure that they know that at the end of the day, adversity will either will bring us together, bring us closer. So, again, you know, unfinished business, LSU's got a job to go do. They're playing a, a pretty good Iowa State team in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, from there, all bets are off. They're, they've kind of got to look into the bracket, and we'll dive deeper into the bracket in the, in the 5 o'clock hour. They've, they've got a pretty easy ride through, you know, at least to maybe the Sweet 16. So LSU, you know, regardless of, of what's happening off the court with Will Wade, they can they can do do some damage in this tournament. But James, you know, back to the Will Wade thing. And, you know, if if you look around social media talking about this scenario, you can you can say, well, you know, everybody does it. Why did LSU get fired? And and to an extent that might be true. However, and you know we heard we heard Jordy Holberg mention it during his show just now. There's a right way to do it, and I'm just gonna say, wiring money out of a personal checking account, so not the right way to do it. Having your assistant coach pay a family three hundred thousand dollars in fifty thousand dollar installments. Not the way to do it. Showing up to a prospective player's state basketball tournament and then meeting the family for dinner afterwards. Not the way to do it. So realistically, James, punishment-wise, what, what, what do you see coming out of this? I would presume... We don't hear this very often, so I'm thinking they kind of do what the NFL does and kind of make an example out of them and kind of give them a pretty harsh one. I would say five years seems pretty realistic yeah. of, a, of a ban. Yeah, there, there's going to be... So more of the punishment is going to be on Will Wade and Bill Armstrong rather than LSU as a whole. Yeah. I say a two-year postseason ban for the program. Okay. Will Wade and Bill Armstrong both get a five-year show cause. And there's probably going to be a scholarship reduction. Hmm. For those two years as well? Correct. Okay. There's probably going to be a scholarship reduction. Which, that alone, it doesn't sound like a lot. But, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going from, hey, you know, you have 15 scholarships to give to... 12. You have 12. That That's cutting three kids off the team. Yeah. That that's a that's a big blow to uh to a program, but you know some people say that this was this was a move three years in the making. I tend to agree with them. I think this move should have been made two maybe three years ago. But with the SEC coaching carousel in college basketball, you know Will Wade's out, Crean at Georgia's out, Mike White left Florida to take that Georgia job. 
LSU is going to be a sought after job, but at the same time, with the impending sanctions coming down, are they really going to be able to poach that big name coach like they've always thought that they could? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. LSU has 30 days to respond to the notice of allegations. And then from there, the NCAA will be able to hand down its punishment. We'll talk about that with Wilson Alexander at the in the 430, as well as LSU baseball. We're going to take our first time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about Tom Brady returning to the NFL and more NFL free agency news. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll be right back after this. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Take a shot on college hoops this March Madness with a risk-free bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. All customers get a risk-free bet on the bracket. Just sign in with the FanDuel Sportsbook app to claim yours today. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up with promo code KLWB to get in on the action. Then you can bet on that underdog you've always had your eye on or just go with your favorite. Either way, like I said, it's risk-free. And now with a new interim coach, I don't know, they could make a surprising push, but I still believe LSU could be a first-round exit or get knocked out in the second round. And with cash out, the ball's in your court, so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game ends. There's no better place to bet on the tournament than FanDuel Sportsbook. Join now with promo code KLWB, or if you already have an account, Sign to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to claim your risk-free bet. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana with permitted parishes only. Refund issue is non-droppable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $5. Offers non-transferable. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thank you very much, James. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Open phone lines this segment, 706-0111, if you want to chime in. Let's talk some NFL free agency and no bigger conversation than Tom Brady. Last night, about 6 o'clock, he, he announced on Twitter, these past two months I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. So Tom Brady said, you know what? Seven Super Bowls and being the greatest of all time just isn't good enough for me. I want number eight. I want, you know, another $30 million although my wife makes double what I make. At, at what point, and, and and I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I dislike Tom Brady heavily, actually. But I, I give credit where credit's due. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But at what point has he proven everything that he needs to prove? James? I mean, I think he's already proven it, but there's always going to be those people that will say 
Joe Montana is still better. There will be that small selection that will say Aaron Rodgers is better and he's oh, more talented. God. There will still be the Saints fans that are going to say Drew Brees had a better career or better stats. Let me let me say something on Aaron Rodgers real quick. Okay, four years, two hundred million dollars. That's the, not a, that's not official terms. Aaron debunked that, unfortunately. Well, okay, but if, it's probably going to be around if, that. If that's the case, that is absurd. And I'm going to tell you why. I understand that that's the market. I get all that. I get it. But Green Bay, if the guarantee number is accurate, if they're going to guarantee him 75% of that contract, you're going to pay him for a minimum of three years of that four-year deal. And he probably only plays two. Yeah. Because it'll it'll be 41 at that point. Right. So, So you're crippling yourself because you're still going to owe him Another $53 million after he retires. Like, that just doesn't seem like a smart move from my perspective when you could rebuild with Jordan Love. Well, he was still MVP caliber, and the the game that you did see Jordan Love play, he was... He was very less than spectacular. They I, scored They scored seven points. I agree. So Aaron Rodgers is still their best chance. He was still under contract anyway. They restructured it. Try to bring the band back together as much as you can. Make a few changes because they're going to have to make some roster moves, which they already did. They've dropped a few people already to lower that cap number that they have. Yep. But I, I ultimately don't think it'll be enough because you're mortgaging too much on Aaron Rodgers and Look, he's really good. He's great. But you now have less than you had before. And do you think he's just magically going to get past the second round or finally be able to get past that NFC Championship now that you give him less than he had before? I just can't see it. Yeah, you know. And then the the thing with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, they, they placed the franchise tag on Devontae Adams. And he said, no, and he no, said, no. He said he's not going to play under a franchise tag. And they've already gotten rid of Zadarius Smith, and they got rid of, they they uh, they restructured or re-signed Preston Smith, but they yeah. also got rid of their offensive tackle, Billy Turner. They did re-sign Devondre Campbell, five years, $50 million at, at the linebacker spot. But again, going back to that point, Aaron Rodgers, as great of a as an MVP caliber quarterback, still has struggled to get Green Bay back in the Super Bowl. So, at what point, as a front office, do you look at Aaron Rodgers and say, "Thanks for all you've done for us, but it's time for us to move on." Instead, you you give them a, a mortgage and a half in in term in NFL terms for the next four years. It, it it'll, it'll only work if they get at least one championship in that time before he's before he leaves. Right, and and, and then we're all sitting here going, "Oh well, it was the right move." That's that's the world of, of sports journalism. But looking at NFL free agents. Uh, Teron Armstead still unsigned. Marcus Williams still unsigned. What are the Saints going to do with those two names? Luke Johnson will be here in the 5 o'clock hour to talk about that. 
Uh, J.C. Jackson, according to CBS Sports, the third highest ranked free agent, appears to be going to the Chargers. Man, the Chargers are having a hell of an offseason so far. Christian Kirk going to the Jaguars four years, $72 million. Um, Alex Kappa, Joe Burrow finally getting offensive line help. I saw a tweet earlier from Adam Schefter. Tom Brady's loss is Joe Burrow's gain as former Tampa Bay guard Alex Kappa signs with the Bengals for four years, $40 million. Michael Gallup was a target that I really thought the Saints should look into. Five years, $62.5 million. He's going to stay in Dallas. Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky, a guy that everybody thought the Saints should sign. Oh, Mitchell Trubisky in New Orleans would be great. No. Wrong. Never going to happen. Thank God Pittsburgh took him off our hands. And now we can just focus on either A, making a trade for Deshaun Watson, which is going to be difficult, but I think it can be done. Or do what the safe and what most people would say probably the logical thing to do is just re-sign Jameis. He's healthy again. The seven games that he played for you last year, he looked good. And you and he's still young. He's is, is he even 30 yet? He's not even 30. So in today's NFL, he's got 10 years left. I mean, God, Tom Brady's 44, 43. So it, it's interesting to see what, what the Saints are gonna do. Like I said, we'll dive into that in the five o'clock hour with Luke Johnson. MLB baseball. We, we haven't gotten to talk about this yet. MLB baseball is back. Opening day, April 7th. Spring training started yesterday. The Astros are preparing for the season. Lance McCullers Jr. will not be ready for the start of the season. Justin Verlander looks healthy again. But the headline is Carlos Correa. Will the Astros re-sign Correa? According to earlier reports from today, Talks with Correa, Correa's team, and the Astros are intensifying, but they're not quite close to a deal. There was talks of the Yankees getting Carlos Correa, but with yesterday's trade for Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, that's kind of on the back burner. So I don't know. There, there's going to be interesting to see as we go down the stretch. Today is March 14th. Happy Pi Day. In honor of Pi Day, you can head over to our Twitter page, The Game Louisiana, and take our poll question, what is your favorite pizza topping? Is it pepperoni? Is it sausage? Is it a vegetable? Is it pineapple? Pineapple belongs on pizza. Come at me, tell me if I'm wrong. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joins us next to talk about LSU baseball. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh yeah, the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station wants to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot and a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and you can't forget this, tickets to an Astros game. So go ahead and sign up for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish boil from J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. I want some crawfish. So bad. I had had a neighbor boiling some the other night, and I just, God, I wanted some. Anyways, welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Talked a little bit of Will Wade in the first segment. Staying with the Tigers, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more Will Wade, but mostly gonna focus on LSU baseball getting two out of three over Bethune Cookman this past weekend. Joining us to talk about it, LSU's beat writer from the Advocate in Baton Rouge and NOLA.com, Mr. Wilson Alexander. Wilson, good afternoon, man. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, I had some crawfish yesterday myself. It was quite satisfying. I'm behind on the crawfish game in 2022. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get into it. I gotta, I gotta find some crawfish somewhere. Wilson, I know, man, that you've had a, a crazy couple of days with everything happening in Baton Rouge. First, I want, I want to commend you. Uh, I've read your article with the Advocate in depth. Well done. I, I gotta ask on the surface. What were your initial thoughts when the news came out? I Well, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. There wasn't much surprise on our end um, because when LSU first got its notice of allegations um, last Tuesday, it was indicated to me that this was serious and that it was something that was uh, probably going to put Will Wade's job in jeopardy. Um, but we didn't know the full... Uh, scope of the notice of allegations. And so when, when Will was fired, it, it wasn't necessarily shocking because this is sort of, this possibility has been sort of in the background of everything for three years. And um, we, you know, everyone was just sort of waiting for this notice of allegations to come out and really spell out what the NCAA had found. And so that was really the surprising part is just what the NCAA found um, in its investigation or what is alleged uh, anyway. Um, that Will Wade is, you know, sort of being accused of here, paying off a fiance, um, paying players, um, his assistant raising three hundred thousand uh, dollars of an offer, uh, even after the federal wiretap had come out. That part was also uh, really left an impression, just how sort of that has continued even after those uh, this first came out back in twenty nineteen. Now, with with, the, with these allegations again. I think from an NCAA punishment standpoint, more is going to come down on Will Wade and Bill Armstrong rather than the program itself. However, I don't think that the program itself is going to get away scot-free, right? No, it probably will not. Um, It's a little bit 
difficult to project exactly what sanctions the NCAA is going to determine at the end of this whole process. There's still a ways to go in this process. They haven't gotten to that final hearing yet. That's still months out. Um, but, and, you know, they have sort of set a little bit of precedent in the, with NC State um, going through the IRP. Um, they said that they didn't want to do too much to punish the players who are already there. But there is an expectation that they could come down pretty hard on LSU. It's just a matter of exactly how hard. Um, certainly, there's the recommendation that was made by the Complex Case Unit. The Complex Case Unit believes that the IRP could issue show cause penalties to Wade and Armstrong and really penalize them for their actions. Um, so we'll see how much that sort of, if the program gets spared in any way, um, it is still expected to be sanctioned in some respect. Um, but we won't know exactly how or how much for a long time. Yeah, show cause penalties definitely seem to be the the most talked about outcome of, of this scenario. Chatting with Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. All right, Wilson, let's transfer to baseball now. Uh, you know, Bethune-Cookman came to the box this weekend in, in what was going to be the last tune-up series before, before the SEC play got underway. And Friday's game got moved up because of weather. And you know, for the first four innings, it, it looked it looked great. You know, LSU Blake Money had thrown four perfect innings, but then he gets hurt, leaves the game. Bethune Cookman puts up a big inning, and before you know it, it's eight to two, and LSU has to it's six to two. I'm sorry, and LSU has to you know find their way back, and slowly but surely they do that. They got a home run from Jacob Berry. But the big turning point was that seventh inning RBI from Jack Merrifield. Yeah, LSU certainly clawed its way back in that game. Um, Blake's uh, injury sort of set the tone for the the whole night. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, talking to people around the program. It looked more serious on television than they thought it was. Uh, you know, at the, they understood why everybody, you know, after watching the television angle of it, um, they sort of understood why everybody was so freaked out by it because the way Blake reacted, you could really see that, um, especially from like angles down the third base line. And um, yet they have maintained this whole time that, you know, he has just has a, a day-to-day wrist injury. Um, he has not been ruled out to pitch this weekend against Texas A&M in the opener. Um, and that this seems more like a short-term problem than a long-term thing. They're still going to have to keep track of this over the next few days, but that has been what Jay Johnson has said since it happened on Friday. Um, he's asked about it again on Saturday, asked about it again today, um, and said that timetable-wise, this, this doesn't seem to be a, a long-term injury. And so, you know, after that happened, to you know, obviously LSU got down in that game. It was kind of surprising to see them get down against the team Cookman, but um, they fought back, and, and they ended up winning. And then, you know, in baseball, that's going to happen. Um you're not going to blow everybody out, even and they ended up doing that force on Sunday. But um, sometimes you have to win those close games and fight back uh, against uh, against whoever it is that you're playing. Yeah, re- resilience in a, in a college baseball team is definitely is definitely something to to admire and applaud. Saturday, you know, you end up winning five to one behind a six inning career high eight strikeout performance from Ty Floyd, one earner, one unearned, unearned run on two hits. Two walks, again, eight Ks, tying his career total, which was previously set against Maine. Has Ty Floyd 
kind of signified himself as the Saturday starter for the for the Tigers? Yeah, he seems to have done that. Um, they, of course, you know, moved him in. He, he started the year kind of in the weekend rotation, even though it was never like really announced. And and even now, I mean, um, going to that Saturday game, you know, Jay did not announce the Saturday starter until day of. But Ty has been in the weekend rotation all year now, and he started back to back on Saturday. And his stuff is just really good. I mean, LSU just loves the way the action on his fastball, the way it comes out of his arm slot. Um, you know, Ty's not a huge guy, um, but he throws like 94. But as it's been explained to me, because of the way that his ball moves, it's got this sort of rise action to it, and it really darts around the strike zone. And, it, you know, it comes out, even though it's like 94, which is good in its own right, it comes out even looking faster than that. Um, because of the way, just the way that he throws it. And it's just a really electric pitch that's tough to hit. And his secondary stuff is still kind of coming along. He mentioned it himself yesterday, or excuse me, on Saturday after the game that, you know, sometimes he has to find it a little bit. And because he throws his fastball so much, he can lose the feel for it. But he just has to keep throwing it and keep throwing it and keep throwing it and using it. He didn't have to use his secondary stuff much against Bethune Cookman. That was pretty much entirely fastball. Um, but he did mix in his curveball and a changeup kind of near the end of his outing. Um, but to, you know, because he has, you know, that that ability and that stuff, um, it certainly seems like he has uh, asserted himself as one of their pitchers in the weekend rotation. It'll be interesting to see um, if they continue to kind of go with Blake Money and then to be announced, to be announced, or if they begin to actually just say yes, Ty is going to start this weekend. Um, they haven't come out with their whole weekend rotation as much as here. Jay likes to hold that close to the vest. Yeah, Jay Johnson definitely seems like a, a reserved guy. Talking about Jay Johnson, you know. I have one question about him, and then I'll, I'll come back to the Sunday game. So far through the year, thirteen and three for the Tigers. What are your What are your initial initial thoughts on the performance of Jay Johnson, and and what could be done better for for the Tigers? Yeah, you know, as a he's someone who he's organized. He has he's planned uh, plans really well. I mean, I guess that's sort of a synonym, but. Um, he is extremely thoughtful and technical in how he looks at the game and knows a lot about the game. And, and he's put this offense in particular together, a, a chance for them to win every night with the lineup that they have. Um, clearly, he's still got to kind of continue to work through some things in this lineup. Um, and they've got to just get better defensively and just keep practicing defensively so that they not don't make quite as many errors. It wasn't too much of an issue this weekend, but it has been at the start of the season. And once they get that sort of settled down, you know, you kind of go through those sort of growing pains sometimes at the start of the year, especially with a first, you know, first year coach, new team, and all that st- stuff. You know, he's kind of got to find it a little bit, find who he can rely on. Paul Maneri, you know, used to talk about always that um, Tigers are going to get hot around tax day and that, you know, he was going to take a few weeks to sort of tinker and experiment. And, that, you know, that was really one of Maneri's qualities as a coach. Um, Jay might not be as big of a tinkerer as Maneri was, but, you know, he said the same thing. Like this part time of the year, you're st- usually still kind of finding out who you are. And so that's kind of where they're at. Um, the jury's still going to be out. They haven't even gotten to an SEC game. But uh, we'll have a much better idea of at least this team in particular and learn more about Jay as a coach um, as we go further into the season. Chatting with Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. Wilson, you know, talking about the Sunday game against Bethune-Cookman, a 15 nothing shutout. 11 of those runs came off of 11 hits in the first three innings. And then after that, the Tigers were kind of on cruise control. How important is it to every now and again have a game like that to get your your younger, inexperienced guys some some live game reps? 
it's definitely important. Uh, LSU was able to sub out a lot in that game um, late in and pretty much, over, I think, really, really just completely <laughs> pinch hit for the entire lineup uh, at a certain point in that game and, and get a lot of young guys' experience, especially because there are 40 people on the roster this year. That's more than LSU has had um, since the NCAA, um, you know, installed a, uh, a, I guess it was 30-man roster limit. Um, that was obviously sort of taken off uh, for the pandemic and then put back down at 40 this year. And Jay's actually carrying the full 40. So there's a lot of guys and a lot of, you know, not enough playing time to go around. There's only so many spots and only so many at-bats. So when you have a game like that, you can get some more of those freshmen in the game, let them get a little bit of game experience, which is tougher to do with a roster that is as big as it is this season. Wilson, I got one more question before you run, and it's kind of a vague question. But talking men's and women's basketball with the NCAA tournament, the men being a six seed against Iowa State, the women being a three seed against Jackson State. Talk to me about both teams and realistically, you know, how deep of a run can they make? It's going to be particularly fascinating to see how deep um, the LSU women's basketball team can go this year. It's just been such an exciting season, what Ken Mulkey has done in one year with this turnaround, hosting postseason games. It's unfortunate that their game is around the same time as the St. Patrick's Day Parade here in Baton Rouge. It's one of the most you know fun days of the year in Baton Rouge. It'll be curious. It's kind, of, kind of interesting to see what kind of crowd they get at the women's game. Um, hopefully they get a good one because of you know, hosting an NCAA tournament game. They really seem to have the potential to go much further in this tournament. You never want to count anybody out, but just having lost to you know Will Wade and going through what that men's basketball team is going to go through, Kevin Nickelberry, the interim coach, is going to have to really get these guys focused. Um, that's not going to be easy. You know, they can talk about it, but actually implementing that and, and executing it is a, is much, a wholly different thing. Um, so you know, still it would be you know good for those players um, in particular because um, you know they're not the ones in this. Uh, until the investigation, they can make themselves get themselves a run and come together. But um, you know, it'll be an interesting tournament. They're just these teams are just, even though they're both playing meaningful postseason games, they're in completely different places right now. Yeah, no, no question. Definitely going to be an interesting challenge for Kevin Nickelberry and his staff going down the stretch here in March Madness. Wilson, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Great work as always. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Yeah, uh, at theadvocate.com or uh, nola.com or subscribe to the newspaper if you still do that or subscribe to us digitally. Um, we'd appreciate that as well. And then I'm on Twitter at WHAlexander underscore if you want to follow me there. Wilson Alexander, class act. Appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll talk to you down the line. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Y'all have a good rest of your day. There he goes, Wilson Alexander, the advocate. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk more about that Pi Day poll question and we'll begin to dive into Cajuns baseball. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad? You want to have a catch? had such heartwarming moments. This guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game. Now back to more baseball talk here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Make sure to tune in all week as RP3 and Company and Footnotes will be broadcasting live from La Triomphe Golf and Country Club this week for the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Our live and local coverage is presented by Tibbs Trailers, Ropes Open Dope, Cigar Merchant, and the Golf Connection, and can be heard right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The good old Chittimacha Louisiana Open, presented by Mistras. It's going to be a fun week out there at La Triomphe. Today is Pi Day. Our poll question, what's your favorite pizza topping? So far, 56% of you say pepperoni. How traditional. 17% say sausage. 11% say veggies. 16% of you have said other and commented below. And some of these comments are just hilarious. Ty Darbone, meat lovers for me if it's not a Friday or Ash Wednesday during Lent. Otherwise, it's cheese and or shrimp. JK chimed in. Just no pineapple on a pizza, please. That's about as stupid as someone sending me an email to buy New Orleans Breaker game tickets, then me discovering that they aren't playing this year in NOLA. Hashtag Birmingham sucks. Can't, can't forget uh, Brad Newell. Beef and jalapenos for him. Oh, and extra cheese, of course. Can't forget the extra cheese. And I, I commented that pineapple 100% belongs on pizza, and then my other three are chicken, bacon, and black olives. Dude, chicken, bacon, and black olives I'm on not pizza mad at that. is a must. I love black olives. And my buddy Trip from North Carolina chimes in, surprised you didn't say that gumbo or boudin belongs on it too. I'm not saying it doesn't. <laughs> I actually wouldn't mind a little pieces of boudin on my pizza. I had I had Trip come down for the Sunbelt Conference Championship game back in December, and I introduced him to a bunch of different Cajun food, and uh, needless to say, we converted him. Before, before we wrap up our number one, there is a little bit of baseball talk that we need to get to for the Cajuns. I'll dive deeper into it in the 5 o'clock hour. Cajuns baseball took two out of three from Houston this past weekend, nine to five, eight to four, and ten to one. Now the first game was suspended Friday night due to weather. It was five to five. So this is this is the interesting part. The game picked up Saturday afternoon at two o'clock. Top of the eighth, five to five, one out, runner on first. For somebody just starting a baseball game, again, baseball is a sport where you kind of have to get a rhythm going in the first couple innings. That's an interesting predicament to be in. However, the Cajuns took great advantage off of it, squeeze-bunted two runs in, and then stole home. I would love to see the worldwide success rate of stealing home. It's got to be less than 2%. It's got to be. There's no There's no way it's not. Matt Deggs' philosophy has been be risky. He said today that he wants the players to play with less, be less, you know, cautious and, and play with a little bit more reckless abandon. He was quoted today at the press conference saying, you either win really good or fail really good. But he doesn't want to be a team that's in between. They've got an interesting stretch coming up. McNeese on Wednesday. Go to Troy next week, this coming weekend to open Sunbelt play. 
go to Thibodeau to play Nichols the following Tuesday, and then you got South Alabama coming to the Teague in another conference series. It's going to get interesting here in the next couple of weeks for the Cajuns as they start building an RPI towards the postseason. Hour number one of the first ever episode of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh has already come and gone. Hour number two, Luke Johnson, former Lafayette media guy, will join us to talk about the Saints and Deshaun Watson. We will talk some more Cajuns baseball and softball, and we'll break down the March Madness bracket. This is Crunch Time on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. God, that beat just makes me want to run through a brick wall. Welcome back to Crunch Time, Miguez and Mesh, hour number two. The first hour was dominated by Will Wade and LSU baseball. Now it's time to get into the black and gold. The New Orleans Saints. Plenty of of headlines, and it's going to get even crazier over the next couple of days as free agency opens. Here to talk about all of it from the New Orleans advocate and formerly of Lafayette, Mr. Luke Johnson. Luke, my friend, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So right off the top, you know, obviously the dominating conversation with the Saints is the possibilities of trading for Deshaun Watson. It has now been announced that Deshaun Watson will meet tonight in Houston with the Saints and the Panthers. Realistically, Luke, you know, you cover the you cover the team day in and day out. Realistically, what's the chances Deshaun Watson's in black and gold? come this season well I, I mean i think they're they're pretty good um yeah i still would think that carolina is probably the favorite in this um just because they have a little bit more flexibility in terms of um in terms of draft resources in terms of cap resources um and you know i i think uh they would would probably be able to com- like make a pretty compelling offer um, to Houston for Deshaun Watson, right? A, a, probably a better offer than than anything the Saints can make. Um, but the thing that that I keep thinking about is is uh, you know this is kind of ultimately up to Deshaun Watson, right? He's he's got a full no trade clause, um, and you know if there's two offers on the table and Deshaun Watson wants to go to uh, wants to go to the Saints, then you know, I think he can facilitate that offer. Um, it, you know, there's there's a little bit of power um, that that he has over the team right now, so I, you know, I, I think I would probably put the the Saints odds at, at getting him at you know somewhere between 35 and 40 percent. Um, I, I don't know how Deshaun Watson's feeling about this. Obviously, like he's going to have to uh, talk with representatives from both teams and kind of feel them out. Um, you know, I know he's from the Carolinas, so um, yeah, that that may play a role in his decision. But um, you know, some obviously we're going to be watching pretty closely in the next. Um, 24 to 48 hours, and I, I do think something's going to happen pretty quickly here um, because Houston owes them a, a big you know, roster bonus on, on the first day of the new league year, which is Wednesday, March 16th. Right. So, yeah, definitely something 
seems likely to happen in the in the next twenty four to forty eight hours, like you said. But take the Deshaun Watson news away from the table for a moment. What's the Saints' hesitation for re-signing Jameis Winston? Is it just is it the ACL that they're worried about? What's the what's the holdup? No, I, I think you know. I don't think you can take the Deshaun Watson news away from anything, right? Because like, like this, that's a perfect example of of why they haven't re-signed Jameis Winston. Um, it, yeah, I, I think the the Saints understand as an organization that um, in order to get anywhere close to where they want to go, when they they feel they have a roster right now that can compete for a Super Bowl title, and the only way you're going to get there is if you have an elite quarterback, right? Um, and that's that's why they're that's why they're so aggressively pursuing Deshaun Watson, even in this you know absolutely crazy climate that he's in right now with you know 22 pending <laughs> civil lawsuits for sexual assault. Uh, you know that's it's an absolutely crazy thing to pursue, and the reason they're doing it is because he's one of the uh, probably uh, the top uh, top five quarterback in the NFL. But those guys are incredibly hard to get. Um, and you know, I think they were they were pleased with uh, what Jameis Winston did last year. I think they think he can be a good quarterback for their team, but it, it, I don't think that Jameis is in the same category as a player as Deshaun Watson is. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear the Saints feel that way as well. Um, considering they'd have to give up, you know, what was likely three first round picks, um, players, maybe even more draft assets beyond the first rounders. Um, for yeah, a player who has a very <laughs> sketchy public reg- reputation right now, um, so you know, if if for whatever reason the Saints get beat out um, and um, and you know, Deshaun Watson goes to Carolina, I, I think you'll see him try to work something with with Jameis. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty clear where the the hierarchy stands within that organization's decision making. Chatting with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate. Luke, the the Saints were able to restructure some more deals, notably Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, so on and so forth. They now sit about twenty million over the cap. Where where else in in their roster can they can they kind of trim some dollars to get under that cap line? Uh, they're actually a little bit less than twenty million over. I think they're the last uh, last I saw they were somewhere about five or six over. Um, and they could get under the cap straight up by releasing Bradley Roby, and I'm kind of expecting something to happen there. Uh, yeah, obviously before Wednesday, you know, they have to be under the cap by um, by Wednesday, and maybe there's some you know, potentially some discussions, uh, you know, either with, with trying to find a trade partner with Bradley Roby or or um, or maybe even trying to get him to take a pay cut. But I, I think there's there's a very, very, very small chance he returns next year on, on the salary he's due to make. Um, yeah, they could save $9.5 million by just outright releasing him and only take on $650,000 in debt money. Um, so, I, I mean, that's one where they could just straight up get under the salary cap by making that move. Uh, you know, I think they could still restructure David Onyemata. Um, they could restructure Taysom Hill. Um, you know, both of those players would... Yeah, the, the restructures for both of those would also take them under the cap. Yeah, they've got a, a lot of stuff um, they can still do yet. I, I think the question is, uh, you know, especially if you take on a player like Deshaun Watson, who's going to be making 
you know, that upwards of 30 to 40 or 35 to 40 million every year, the remainder of his contract is um, when you add a player like that in, it kind of changes the calculus for some of these, uh, these deals where you're pushing money into future years. And they'd have to make, um, you know, some, some cap room work. Like they'd, they'd have to make the numbers work. It's, it's just like dropping a player in that you're kind of, you weren't expecting to be a part of your team. And maybe, you know, he wasn't part of your, your three or four year projections when you're, when you're saying, okay, we can, we can push this money down the road because, you know, we're only have so much money committed here and there. And, and, um, and, you know, we can make these numbers work. It's a little bit harder when you're putting that huge chip in the pile. Uh, so I, I think that's why we, we are, have not seen some of these, these big restructures in the last couple of days, because they're, they're trying to figure out if that's even going to be something they have to worry about. Uh, and then they can kind of make their, uh, make their plans from there. Right. Yeah. I, I appreciate you letting me know that, the number was less than 20. 20 was the last number that I had seen. Um, but no, now that it's, if it's down to five or six, that that's definitely much more, much more doable for, for Mickey Loomis, but kind of a, a dark, not a dark cloud, but the, the elephant in the room is Teron Armstead and Marcus Williams, two top free agents for the saints, Teron Armstead, a, a great tackle, but has, He's he's kind of injury prone, and then Marcus Williams coming off of his rookie deal, he's ready to get paid. What's the plan for for both of these guys? Do you see either one of them returning for the Saints this year? Yeah, I mean, after seeing some of this money go around today, I'd be surprised if either of them do. Um, you know, it, with Teron Armstead, especially, you know, people people do bring up the injuries, and I'm I'm, I'm sure that is a concern for teams who are looking to sign him into a free agent deal but the, the fact of the matter is that um elite left tackles are not easy to find there's there's maybe only three or four guys in the nfl who can even sniff to run arm seven healthy right he's he's absolutely one of the best players at a at, at a critical position um and you know we've seen guys. Like Trent Williams has you know had his own injury injury concerns. He was a year older than Teron Armstead when he signed an extension last year, and uh, you know he's making twenty three million dollars a year. Right? Reset the market for uh, for left tackles. And I, I would assume Teron's going to command something close to that, if not exceeding that, even with the injury concerns. Um, it would be a real big surprise for him, especially uh, to be back in New Orleans. Um, and that's, you know, that's going to have ramifications on the 2022 team. If he's not beyond having to fill a void at left tackle, which is something they haven't had to worry about in eight years. Um, you know, he's going to count $13 million against their salary cap in 2022 and dead money charges for, you know, this is kind of what we're talking about when they're you know, looking at, at restructuring and moving money into future years and everything like that. Well, they, you know, when they use void years, um, you know, <laughs> if they didn't resign him, um, they, they got this big charge due this year, um, which you know could be kind of a double whammy if, if things go as expected and he signs a, a pretty rich deal elsewhere. Um, and then with Marcus Williams, I mean, we saw Seattle's Quandre Diggs signed a three-year, $40 million deal today. It's $13.5 million per year. I, I think you know, he's pretty widely understood. He's, he's you're probably not going to get as big a deal as Marcus Williams in free agency this year, um, which is kind of along the lines of what I was anticipating. You know, I, I think Marcus is is probably due at least top three money at free safety, which means you know, he's, he's going to get 14 mil plus um, this year. 
So, you know, you could see him even come close to resetting the market that Harrison Smith did uh, a couple years back when he, he signed a $16 million a year deal. So I, I think both of those, you know, both of those figures, both for, for Tehran at, you know, anywhere north of $20 million or Marcus Williams anywhere north of $13, $14 million, I think are just too much for the Saints to, to pay and to commit to for those players right now um, and, in, and in the future. Um, so, yeah, it just it would be a really big surprise to me to see either of those guys end up back in New Orleans. And I would anticipate at some point in the next, you know, again, 24 to 48 hours, probably going to be seeing stuff with, with those guys, um, you know, agreeing to terms with other teams. Luke Johnson has been our guest. Luke, before we let you run, man, in honor of Pi Day, what's your go-to pizza topic? Um, look, I'm, I'm basic. I'm, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm, I'm going sausage all the way. I, I, I think sausage is way better than pepperoni as a topping, and it especially is complemented well by like vegetables. It, like you get like a sausage and, and mushroom pizza. Oh yeah. Like now you're cooking with gas, man. So oh, yeah. sausage all the way. No doubt about it. Luke Johnson coming in with the with the pizza knowledge. Luke, man, we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Yep, no problem, guys. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Luke Johnson. Yeah, I, I agree with him. Um, you know, I don't see Teron Armstead or Marcus Williams coming back. They're just they're going to be they're going to be looking for too much of a payday than than the Saints are going to be able to provide them. Uh, which is a shame because they're both both great players. We'll take a timeout here. When we come back, we're going to talk some Cajuns softball. 65 consecutive Sunbelt Series victories. Unreal. We'll dive into it. This is Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 14, 2006, New Orleans agrees to terms with former San Diego quarterback Drew Brees to a five-year contract. The deal goes down as perhaps the most notable free agent acquisition in Saints history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Start your bracket with a bang. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers $150 instant bonus guarantee. That's right. You'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more, and how you bet is completely up to you. You can choose between the money line, totals, prop bets, and so much more. Loyola Chicago is always a nice Cinderella team, and makes it pretty far in the tournament, so they've definitely got my eye as of right now. Plus, with cash out, the ball's in your court. So you can close out your bet at any point before the game ends. Join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB. Then you can place a $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit guaranteed. That's promo code KLWB on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana with permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issue is novel drop site credit that expires in 14 days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and would like some help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire James Mesh. Open phone lines for the remainder of the show. If you've got something to talk Saints, LSU, UL, Pelicans, 
NCAA tournament, you name it. Call us on the game hotline, 706-0111. Once again, 706-0111. Let's talk Cajun softball for a minute. Two out of three this weekend at home against Georgia State. To improve on the year to 15-5. and Now, this series win for the Cajuns gives them 65 consecutive conference series victories, which is easily the longest series win streak in the country. However, it did not start off all sunshine and rainbows. Friday's game against Georgia State was, again, just like baseball, postponed into Saturday due to weather. They finished it Saturday. Cajuns ended up falling 4 to one, but then bounced back ten to six in game two, and then a nine nothing mercy rule on Sunday. Coach Glasgow was asked to talk about his team being young, eight freshmen, eight freshmen making significant impacts to this team. So he talked about his team being young, but for unlike most teams, they don't stay down after losses. They're young. They're young and bulletproof, you know, and that's that's a good thing and a bad thing. But uh, they're young and enthusiastic, and you know, we're, I'm I'm pleased with most almost everything about our ball club, except we got to grow up fast. And I think everyone's that game Friday night maybe or the game one would I think will help everyone understand the urgency of growing. Yeah, you know. That that's been the that's been the issue with softball this year is how is their youth and their inexperience. If you look at their four losses before this weekend series with Georgia State, it was two to Alabama, number two in the country, two to LSU, number twenty one in the country, and in each of those games, they give up a big inning and didn't know how to respond, which is a perfect sign of inexperience, and they have been looking for some of their experienced players. To contribute, Raina O'Neill has gone down with another injury, uh, and according to Coach Glasgow today at the press conference, it is not a day-to-day thing, which is definitely unfortunate to hear. Taylor Rowan is another one. She missed most of the year last year, started off hot with Sun Belt Player of the Week to open the season, and then she's kind of hit a snag. But over the last week or so, Taylor Rowan has really you know turned it on, come back. She's up to a three fifty three batting average with. Two home runs and 13 RBIs. Taylor was asked what she did with her the back and forth, you know, being in the lineup, being out of the lineup, and here she is. Something that Coach Justin has taught us is work while you wait. You know, you wait until it's your turn. It's nothing that you did anything wrong or anything like that sort. It's work while you wait. So when you get the opportunity, you are ready. And I think that has set us onto a mindset while we're sitting on the bench and cheering on our teammates. It's I'm a, when I get my turn, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it 100% my all. Justin Robichaux taking, taking some words from his father, the, the late great. Tony Robichaux. James is in the production booth playing with his hair. James, why? It was it was nappy. <laughs> it was nappy. there was there was there was some knots. The the nappy hair, but you know, looking looking down the schedule for the Cajuns for Jerry Glasgow's club, you got a big doubleheader at home on Wednesday against Texas. Texas is a good club. They hung with Alabama. They've hung with UCLA this year. 
And, you know, Coach Glasgow today talked about how they're still in search of that first significant win for this season, that first P5 win. And they have two chances at home uh, against Texas to get that done before you go to Statesboro, Georgia this weekend to play three against Georgia Southern. But if you look at the girls, if you look at softball statistics, I mean, Stormy Kotzelnik has been consistent for you, a 429 batting average, 24 base hits, four doubles, five triples, two homers, 15 RBIs. You know, Maddie Hayden is a girl that, that, that has come on for the Cajuns. Obviously, her sister Haley did phenomenal things here for the Cajuns. A 392 average for Maddie. 20 hits, three doubles, two triples, 11 RBIs. But again, it, it's just like the baseball team. You got to find a way to get the big hit when you need it. It doesn't do you any good to explode for five runs in the first inning and then give up eight the rest of the game. You have to be able, you know, in, in softball terms, in the sixth and seventh inning, when it's a when it's a close game, how are you going to get those runs in to win the game? And that's going to come with experience, and that's going to come with playing games against teams like LSU, against teams like Alabama, against your Texas. This season's going to be different for the Cajuns because they're not going to walk through the Sun Belt like they have in years past. Texas State's got a good program. South Alabama's got a good program. You saw what Georgia State handed the Cajuns a loss, a rare loss in the conference. So when you get down into the postseason with this Sunbelt Conference tournament for softball, it's not going to be your traditional walk in the park for, for Jerry Glasgow and his club. However, with their youth, with their inexperience, you gain that experience this year, Oh, James, in 2023, look out for Raging Cajun softball. They're already not bad thus far. They're 15-5, and five, if if I looked at the record correctly. And if they're that good this early with and, this young of a team, right? I'd be scared by next year yep. and the year after that. Yeah, Def- definitely something to uh, to behold, something to look forward to. Going back to our poll question real quick before we take another break. 46% say pepperoni. 19% it's a tie between sausage and veggies. And looking at some of the comments, Isaac Henry, mushrooms please. Somebody else called pepperoni, onion, and mushroom. Pineapples belong on pizza like Matt Ryan belongs on the Saints. Is he trying to say that Matt Ryan should... Come to the Saints? Please no. Please, please, please no. God, no. I would rather have Mitchell Trubisky. Now you now you know now you know that's not what he was talking about. I know. But <laughs> I I understand you like pineapples on pizza, but pineapples on pizza. It's a it's a must. It it's a must. It's too weird for me and I like weird stuff. We're gonna take that, a, that says something. We're gonna take a time out here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. March Madness is gonna be the conversation of the next segment. Once again, phone lines are open. 706-0111. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 
They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Make sure to tune in all week as RP3 and company and footnotes will be broadcasting live from La Triumph Golf and Country Club this week for the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Our live and local coverage is presented by Tips Trailers, Rope Soap and Dope, Cigar Merchant, and the Golf Connection and can be heard right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. That rejoin was by far my favorite. So here's, since this is, since this is my first day in sports radio, we we have James and RP3 decided to not let me hear my intros and rejoins until live on the air. And uh, that one was definitely by far my favorite. Welcome back to the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Before we went to break, we told you guys to jump in on the hotline to get in on the action. And uh, one of our regulars has, has done just that. Jamie, my man, welcome into the show. Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. Congratulations on the job, and uh, welcome to the family. Uh, I mean, you know, from a fan standpoint, obviously I'm not part of the network or anything, but I <laughs> uh, just wanted to congratulate you and, and welcome you to the family. Look, I wanted to go in on the, the poll question and uh, ask you about your take on uh, your take on Tom Brady coming out of retirement after only a couple weeks, because I'm kind of the resident Bucks fan around here, and, uh, you know, we were kind of wondering what was going to happen there. So, uh, poll question, hear me out. We used to have a Mr. Gaddy's in Opelousas, which is right down the road from where I live, and they had the best macaroni and cheese pizza. It was macaroni and cheese on top of pizza. It sounds disgusting, and it was absolutely wonderful. So that's the best topping on pizza I've ever had, just to let you guys know. So um, anyway, there's that, and uh, I'll be listening to your take on Tom Brady coming back from retirement. Appreciate you taking my call. So first of all, thank you very much for, for the kind words. I'm I'm definitely excited to be part of the game family. Uh, this is going to be a fun ride. James and I are, are definitely looking forward to it. Macaroni and cheese on pizza is solid. I, I've had it plenty of times. Uh, throw some bacon bits on there. It's it's wow. Um, also, dessert pizza, cinnamon roll, chocolate chip cookie. What? It, oh man, that's a game changer too. Tom Brady coming out of retirement. You know, I didn't see it coming, but apparently a lot of people saw it coming. I don't know. Uh, again, I think he's proven everything that he needs to prove. I, I don't really understand the move, but if, if he still thinks that he, he's got another year or two in the tank, I mean, why not? Why, why not? Why not play it out? But yeah, definitely mac and cheese is is definitely somewhere an avenue to explore. Uh, we have another caller on the game hotline. The Antagonator. Welcome into the show. What's up, Maddie? Oh, God. What you got, Antagonator? <laughs> oh, man, uh, I was just going to get your take on what the 
Saints ought to trade for Deshaun Watson. So, you know, I, I saw a tweet earlier, and it was drawn a blank. It was three first-rounders. Three first. It was Andrews Pete. Andrews Pete. Taysom, Taysom Hill, Hill. Two seconds. I think you I think you had included another player in that. No, it was two players. Oh, and it then was, and then the Saints get Deshaun Watson and Brandon and Cooks. And Brandon Cooks. That's what it was. One hundred percent I would do that trade. Yeah, I'd give them two first round picks this year or the next two years and then two second round picks and Pond Water and Davenport. Yeah, I would I would do that too. Um but you know the 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 first round picks. Let's be honest. Over the last five years, we haven't really drafted that well in the first round. Yeah, but we need a good quarterback. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll let y'all discuss it and uh, just remember one thing: LSU rules. Oof. Later on, that was that was a jab at me. All right. Um, for, for, for context, I am not the world's biggest LSU fan, but I respect the Tigers and will do their due diligence by, by covering them here on the game. Phone lines are blowing up. Caller, welcome into the show. Uh, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you, sir? Okay. This is Mike. Uh, question on the Will Wade situation. Uh, about the timing of his release. Okay, do you think at this stage they regret not letting him go three years ago? It's my understanding had they done it three years ago, they would have had to pay the buyout and probably, you know, they would have wanted a new coach. So it would have cost them more money than it is in that perspective. Do you think they regret not doing that? And, would, and should they have done that three years ago, considering um, sort of the negative aspects the program has had over the last few years? And in the current situation, should they have waited till after the NCAA tournament? to fire him to increase their chances of maybe doing well in the tournament or are they better off letting him go even though they may not win because I'm sure you all of the uh, announcers probably would have bought it up during their Tiger game. So that's my question. Should they have let him go three years ago and they didn't? So now should they have waited? So what do y'all think about um, that situation? Appreciate your call. Um, three years ago, yeah, they probably should have made the move. Do I understand why they waited? Absolutely. Because now that you have the notice of allegation, you don't owe him anything. You fired him with cause. You owe him nothing. Uh, So I understand why they did it, and I also understand why they did it before the tournament. I think if you... Honestly, if I was LSU, I would have self-inflicted a ban from this tournament. Nine times out of ten, it would probably lessen the penalty from the NCAA on the program. So I get why they wanted to do it now. I don't understand why they're deciding to continue playing into the NCAA tournament. But, you know, that that's neither here or there at this point. I don't know. Again, three years ago, I think they should have made the move, but I 100% understand why they didn't. So thank you for that. Let's go back to the phone lines. Joe is on the line. Joe, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Uh, I'm a, I work for a pizza company. Uh, but in any case, uh, talking about your pizza, uh, unless you've had a, a barbecue pizza with chicken, bacon, beef, and steak, uh, six cheese, uh, you really never had a real pizza, <laughs> as they say. Barbecue chicken, bacon, steak, and beef? Is that what I heard? Yes, sir. That's a specialty I make. I bring it to a few of the local watering holes around town from time to town. Okay, next time you bring that to a local watering hole, I need you to call into this station and tell me what watering hole that is. Uh, mentioned about Tom Brady. Uh, I don't really feel, uh, being a Saints fan, don't feel too threatened about it, mainly because uh, Saints seem to have that number. At least Dennis Allen seems to have his number. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, the Saints have, have done well against Tom Brady over the last couple of years, barring that, that one playoff game. But no, going back, go back to that pizza. I need that in my life. <laughs> yeah, I work. Uh, I, I deliver pizza for Papa John's, if that's okay to say on air. Okay, so Papa John's. All right, so what what do I need to do? Call into Papa John's and order the Joe Special? Well, all you all you would do with Papa John's is just uh, call and uh, ask for a chicken barbecue pizza, and beef steak, and um, it's got bacon on it already, and uh, go from there. Oh yeah, I, I so I so totally have to do that in in the very very near future. Joe, appreciate you appreciate your call, man. It's one thing I love about Pi Day is you can run into a hundred conversations about pizza. My original idea for the poll question was what's your favorite pie flavor? Chocolate, cherry, apple, you know, whatever. And then throw in the subtle jab with a pizza pie. But James just decided to go with pizza. Because he thinks he's better than me. The creative genius that I am. The creative genius that you are. I mean, m- most people are going to go with pizza pie. So it's like, well, let's let's see what they're topping they usually go with. Because I don't hear too many pie shops or people that make pies. They have like a special deal. I see different pizza places all the time. That for the pie day, they make most of their pizzas $3.14. Blaze Pizza today. Yeah. What, what was it? 11-inch pizzas? 314? I think so. Something like that. Because yeah. I remember going there before like a couple years ago, and that's what I did that day. Boy, was that line long. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, yeah. And I, and I thought that, I quote-unquote got there early. That's all college kids, man. We're, we're all broke. Oh, yeah. Just just like, oh, let's get it. Let's get a pizza. No, we got to wait like about an hour and a half, two hours. The NCAA tournament starts this week. March Madness is always a great time to be a sports fan it's an even better time to be a sports journalist we are going to dive in to the bracket tomorrow we, we've kind of we're kind of running short on time to do it today but I will talk about the pl- the four play-in games that are going to take place tomorrow and Wednesday in the Midwest region Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi James who you got 
What was the first one again? Texas I, Southern. Ooh. I'm going to go Texas Southern with this one. Ooh. Even though I know that I had seen Corpus Christi a couple times go against McNeese and they ultimately did get the better of them. I'll go Texas Southern. Yeah. Why not? Corp- Corpus Christi winning the winning the Southland Conference. I'm going with the Islanders. I'm I'm going with I'm going with Corpus Christi. Uh, I think that they're on a hot streak right now after winning that conference championship, and I think they're going to keep it rolling into the tournament. In the East Region, battle for number twelve, Wyoming and Indiana. Indiana did play the Cajuns earlier this year in dominating fashion. I think if I remember correctly, Indiana won by thirty. Yeah, something like that. I, I'm going to have to definitely take Indiana with this one. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. In the South Region, another sixteen seed, Wright State. And Bryant, going to be 100% honest with you, I know nothing about either team. I, I had to ask you what, what those stood for because I didn't know either of them either. So give me right state. I'll take Bryant for Kobe. Kobe! And in the West region, battle for the 11 seed, Notre Dame and Rutgers. You going? You you a Scarlet Knights guy or a Fighting Irish guy? Uh, I'll just take a limb. I'll I'll go with I'll go with Notre Dame with this one. Yeah, yeah, Notre Dame yeah, for sure, for sure. Why not? Um, looking at just some of the interesting games on the bracket, like we said earlier, LSU is a six seed and they will play Iowa State. Gonzaga being the number one overall seed, they get the Sun Belt champion Georgia State. And all I'm gonna say about that is, yikes. Um, my condolences to to Georgia State. Duke getting the two seed in that region. They will play Cal State Fullerton. Villanova also a two seed. Arizona, the other one seed in the south region. Over to the Midwest, Kansas at one. LSU in that region at the six seed, like we said. Baylor being the one seed in the east region. Kentucky being a two. And Purdue being the number three. It's going to be an interesting bracket. March Madness is always a fun two to three weeks like I said we will tomorrow we're going to do a segment where I'm going to pull up the ESPN tournament challenge and we're going to we're going to make a bracket James and I are going to make a bracket together and we're going to see how how it plays out we're going to take one last time out here on crunch time with Miguez and Mesh when we come back we'll talk a little more Cajuns baseball we got some sound bites from the leader in charge Matt Deggs don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Salyan, just to name a few. That's because this is the Hangout Music Fest. It's May 20th to 22nd in Gold Shores. Win VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh. One last segment before we get you guys out of here for the rest of the day. Cajuns baseball taking two out of three over Houston this past weekend. Nine to five, eight to four, and ten to one. 
Game one started Friday night, suspended because of weather. Top of the eighth, five to five game, runner on first, one out. Cajuns come back Saturday afternoon, get out of that inning, put up four due to double squeezing a squeeze bunt for two runs, stealing one run home. Stealing home. Unreal. Can't get over that. That that actually was successful for for the Cajuns. And then you lose eight to four. Houston scoring six runs in the middle innings. You know, Saturday the weather was it was a it was a pretty day, but the wind was blowing at close to twenty miles an hour, and it was blowing in it was blowing out, sorry. And it it just created a whole lot of issues for the Cajuns. And also the Cougars pitcher Madrano really kept the Cajuns off balance. Here's Matt Dex. Yeah, you know, hats off to Madrano. He he kept us off balance a little bit too with the change up and the, the little slur slider uh, that he's throwing. Uh, the thing about here now though is for it to really carry, it's got to pop above that fourth level. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of balls that did that. And the one that did at the end, we drifted back on and, and clanked it for an error and then a, on a run there in the nine. And then Sunday, yesterday, a 10-1 to victory for the Cajuns. The Cajuns out-hit the Cougars 17-4, to scoring 10 runs, seven of them coming in the middle innings. Jeff Wilson, a complete game, four-hitter with one run. Here's Degg's thoughts on how the pitchers did this weekend. Yeah, Tally pitched great, you know, really, really gave us a chance to win that first game. You know, Bo comes behind that and is five strong. Uh, we've got to get more out of Schiff and, uh, you know, they're in that gap spot. And, you know, Jacob wasn't as sharp as he's been in the past, but, you know, kept us there, gave us a chance. And, you know, I thought Toit did pretty good and then uh, Hammond threw the ball well. So, uh, like I said, it's, it boils down to not giving away stuff, not being so generous, and uh, capitalizing on opportunities when we get them offensively. Cajuns have a five-game road trip coming up, starting with McNeese on Wednesday from Joe Miller Ballpark, a 6 o'clock first pitch there before they go to Troy, Alabama for a weekend series with the Trojans, 6-2-1 and one, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then next Tuesday, they will be in Nichols, They'll be in Thibodeau to take on Nichols State. James Mesh. The first episode of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is just about in the books. Yes, sir, it is. It's been a fun one, definitely. This one flew by, for yeah, sure. Yeah, God, it flew by. Uh, just And with the, with the amount of stuff to talk about, I mean, from the Will Wade news down to Deshaun Watson and... March Madness and the Cajuns and the Tigers, just an unreal day in sports. Uh, I want to take the time to thank my guest, Wilson Alexander and Luke Johnson, for joining us. Uh, I want to thank all of our callers for joining in and talking about your favorite pizza toppings. We will, we will follow up the final results on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, we will be joined by Ross Jackson to continue the Saints free agency conversation and James and I will make our March Madness bracket for James Mesh I'm Matt Miguez this has been Crunch Time with Mesh and Miguez have a good night and stay classy San Diego 
This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Thank you.